Yes. <laughs> More of that, please. <laughs> yes. Oh, I kind of just wish we were going to sing for the next 20 minutes. That would be the sermon. I wouldn't say anything. Maybe we'll do that someday soon. We'll just get together and just really have at it. Like we're starting to get to that place where the, the fear and the anxiety, those demons about not having a good singing voice, or I can't sing, like those are going to go to bed before too much longer. And we are just going to blow the roof off this place with our singing. It's coming, friends. It is coming. That moment is coming. I feel it. Planes, trains, automobiles. How many of you took some kind of trip for the Thanksgiving holiday, a plane or a bus or a tr something? Yeah, a bunch of you. All right. So whether it's a long trip or a short trip, here's the thing about a trip. If you don't do the right planning, it's not a very fun trip. An example, maybe you're just, if you're a kid, right? Maybe you're just taking the school bus to school. It's not a long trip at all. And it's snowy. It's a snowy day. You're really excited. You're going to play at recess with other kids on the playground. And you think, oh, yeah, my gloves are in my backpack. No problem. So you hop on the bus. You get to school. You open up your backpack. And you're like, dang, I just have a leftover sandwich and homework in here. No gloves. This never happens in my family, by the way. That, that particular example. Or another example, a very short little trip, but with the wrong planning, doesn't go well. So when I go out and run errands with our one and a half year old, and I sometimes, just once in a while, rarely, maybe once, um, forget to bring the diaper bag with me, like, right? For, forget the wipes and the diapers and the change of clothes and the snacks and all those things that like parents that have their stuff together um, bring with them when they go on a trip. And most of the time, it's fine. It's not even a notable experience. But um, there have been times, maybe once, where our baby Jesse had a really big poop, right? And I'm like, huh, it sure would have been nice to have had that diaper bag and like the wipes and the, all of that kind of stuff. But I've got nothing because I didn't prepare properly for the trip. Right? And those are just the short trips I'm talking about. Those are just the short trips. What about those long road trips when you're driving across states and going thousands of miles? If you don't bring snacks and maps and backup phone numbers and emergency contacts and the right clothes and like make sure the spare tire is good to go and all that, you're in trouble. Or if you're going on a really long hike, like a multi-night hike in the backcountry, the Girl Scouts and the Boy Scouts among us will say, hey, bring your water filter and extra water and extra food and lights and matches and your rain slicker. And if you can afford it, a GPS like satellite phone and a rainproof tent and make sure you know where you're going to be at the rendezvous point. At the, like, boom, they were like, you got to prepare for that trip. Be prepared for the journey. So I'm thinking a lot about long trips long haul trips, trips where it's not clear necessarily you're going to make it on the whole trip, but you know you're moving in a direction and there's work to do. And I'm thinking about that kind of trip and what it means for us as people of faith in this post-election time, this long haul journey that we are on, this journey as we try to create the world we dream of, this journey as we try to build a beloved community that works for everyone, where everyone regardless of race or ethnicity or sexual orientation or gender identity, has a home, can say, I belong in this place. That's the journey we're on. And it's a journey that takes a long time. And I will tell you, if I'm honest with you, that there have been days in the last couple of weeks where I have felt real discouragement. I have felt some despair. 
And I think on these long haul journeys, it's easy to give up hope. It's easy to sort of put your head down. I know many of you are feeling some of that despair as well. I see it on Facebook when I actually go back on Facebook. I've kind of taken a, a break from social media in many ways. I know that many of you are feeling that sense of hopelessness post-election. And I can relate to that on some level, and I know there's a tendency on the long journey to kind of stop doing our part, to kind of put our head down, and then if you can imagine a little one in the back seat, although it's not always the little one, sometimes it's adults, just sort of asking in this monotone voice, are we there yet? <laughs> are we there yet? Are we there yet now? Papa Smurf, are we there yet? And we can just sort of check out and not participate on the journey, not bring what we have to bear on that journey. I remember when I was young and my family used to take road trips. I'm the oldest of five and so flying was always out of the question. It was way too expensive and so we'd load up this big blue Chevy van we had with food and like a little mattress in the back of the, the way back of the van. It had like rows of seats and an empty space in the back. And we'd take these long distance trips. We'd leave Colorado and go visit family out on the East Coast out in Maryland. And to pass the time on these trips, we'd often play this game called I'm going on a trip and I'm bringing. You know this game? Some of you know this game. All right, I'll just do a quick recap of this game. It involved the alphabet, right? So someone would start off and they'd say, I'm going on a trip and I'm bringing apples. And then someone would say, well, I'm going on a trip and I'm going to bring apples and I'm going to bring bananas. And then someone would say, I'm going on a trip, I'm bringing apples and bananas and I'm going to bring a cat because that's a great idea for a trip. I'm going on a trip and I'm going to bring apples, bananas, a cat and a dog so the cat and the dog can fight. And then you'd go on, there'd be earmuffs and hairspray and like frogs, they'd just get crazy and you'd have to remember the whole list and so everybody in the car is participating and you're in this like kind of imaginative, playful space together. Eventually you'd get through the whole alphabet. Actually, I met uh, one of our children in the church named Zoe. And I was like, I needed you on our trip. Where were you? Actually, <laughs> gets you know zebras. I mean, there's a lot you can bring, but um, you get through the whole alphabet. And it was a great way to pass the time. Like we would be in this sort of laughter-filled place, talking, interacting with each other on this journey. And that's what I want to come back to. That's what I think the moment we're in is this long-haul journey where we need to say. What are the practices? What are the tools that will sustain us on this journey? We might not get to the final destination, but we know the compass heading. We know where we want to go. What sustains us? We're going on this long haul spiritual trip. What is it we need to bring? How do we love the hell out of this world knowing that the justice journey we're on might not be completed in our lifetime? This is a little bit of what I want to explore this morning. And we can look to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for some guidance. Dr. King knew his Bible well. He was well versed in the Hebrew scriptures and the Christian scriptures. And he knew that like Moses, he might not reach the promised land. He was well aware of that. He had caught a glimpse of this promised land, a, pla a place where black and white children could play together, a place where the three evils, as he saw them, as of militarism and poverty and racism, where those were diminished. He had a vision of that promised land, but wasn't sure he would make it there. We can still learn a great deal from him. 
He had the sense that the moral arc of the universe was long, but it bent toward justice, and there were practices that we could engage in to help it bend toward justice. One of the things that he taught us is that when the going gets tough, when he was most frightened, when people would call and threaten him, saying they were going to bomb his house or hurt his family, instead of ducking down and hiding, he would redouble his efforts on spiritual practice. Instead of saying, oh my gosh, I don't have time to pray or to sing with joy or to do these things that sustain my spirit, he would double down on those things. So one of the lessons from Dr. King is when the going gets tough, we can double down on our spiritual practices. When moments like the moment we're in perhaps feel hopeless or overwhelming, it is critical that we sit in silence if that's what sustains our spirit. It is critical that we write a list of things we are thankful for so we remember those and add things to that list. It is critical that we pay attention to what is trying to be birthed, what is trying to come alive in us, in the world around us. We are on a long haul trip and we are taking spiritual practice with us. There's a lot more that Dr. King can teach us. The night before he was assassinated, he was speaking to this large crowd of people and he was saying, we've got to stay together. This is a quote from him. We've got to stay together and maintain unity. You know, whenever Pharaoh wanted to prolong the period of slavery in Egypt, he had a favorite, favorite formula for doing it. What was that? He kept the slaves fighting among themselves. But whenever the slaves get together, and he changes the tense here in this speech, he says, whenever the slaves get together, so we can pull it into this moment we're in right now, or this moment in 68, but whenever the slaves get together, Something happens in Pharaoh's court and he cannot hold the slaves in slavery. When the slaves get together, that's the beginning of getting out of bondage, end of quote. So unity, unity is the beginning of liberation, of freedom, of getting out of all that enslaves us, finding common cause, finding things we share with other people, that sense of shared purpose is what we can take on this long haul trip as we seek to build the world we dream of. We're bringing spiritual practice, we're bringing a commitment to find common ground, to finding unity in the face of injustice and oppression. And to those of you who've been following the news, when I look at Standing Rock, North Dakota, there's a profound sense of unity that is happening on that land. There are hundreds of indigenous tribes, of people of faith, of environmentalists, of Black Lives Matter folks. There are thousands and thousands of people from around the country and the globe who are standing at Standing Rock with the Standing Rock Sioux as they fight for their land and their sovereignty, their health and their treaty rights. They are fighting against the Black Snake. That's what they call it. They call it the black snake. They've named it. And, it, and the imagination takes hold when you imagine this pipeline as this black snake moving through the land, this thousand mile pipeline that Energy Transfer Partners is building. And part of this story, and part of what I'm talking about with unity here, is that the white folks of Bismarck, North Dakota, rightly so, originally insisted that the pipeline be built away from their community. They said, this will actually endanger our water supply and the people of Bismarck. We don't want it to go close to the city of Bismarck. And so it was moved south, 
threatening the Standing Rock Sioux, the Missouri River, their sacred burial sites, and millions who depend upon its clean water. Since April, this spiritual resistance, this unity movement, often led by youth, it has grown. The resistors are not protesters. They are water protectors. Again, the language matters. If you think about the black snake coursing through the land and you think about not protesters, not demonstrators, these are water protectors. These are children and youth and elders who are saying, friends, not everyone can see this, but we know that the earth and clean water and a clean environment are critical to any kind of future we wanna have. And so the water protectors, they are in it for the long haul. They are bringing peace, peaceful resistance, peaceful nonviolent resistance, and prayers on their journey. Those are tools we can bring on our journey. They are nonviolently resisting the violence of a militarized police force. They face water and sound cannons. They face mace. They face constant surveillance. But in the face of that, they bring nonviolence, resistance, peaceful resistance, and prayers. Now, the Army Corps of Engineers, they've given a deadline of December 5th to clear the land so that the pipe building, this black snake, can resume. Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Goldman Sachs, and others, they've invested $3.7 billion in this project. Trump has an investment in this project as well, and they want to see it completed. But this is a long-haul movement. It's a long-haul moment. There are now as we speak, there are a thousand plus U.S. veterans, most of them are native people, indigenous people, who are heading to Standing Rock. They are deploying themselves essentially to Standing Rock, saying we took an oath to defend the Constitution against enemies foreign and domestic, and this is a violation of fellow citizens' rights, what's happening right now. They're heading to Standing Rock, set to arrive on December 4th to protect the water protectors. According to organizers of this self-deployment, we are calling for our fellow veterans to assemble as a peaceful, unarmed militia at the Standing Rock Indian Reservation December 4th through 7th and defend the water protectors from assault and intimidation at the hands of a militarized police force and the Dakota Access Pipeline security. I don't know how the story is going to play out, but what I do see over the past years have been these peaceful, nonviolent movements of people coming together, Occupy Movement, Black Lives Matter Movement, Standing Rock Movement, saying we will nonviolently resist this injustice. We have our spiritual tools, prayer and spiritual practice and a sense of unity, and we will stand our ground. Those are tools we must use on our long haul journey. Peace, prayers, spiritual practice, unity. I'm not really following the alphabet like we did in my family van when we did this exercise, um, but you get the point. I wanna jump to R right now because the other thing that is critical for this long haul journey that we are in is relationships. It's relationships. My good friend and colleague, Rabbi Michael Latz, this is the rabbi I was in Israel and Palestine with for this Interfaith Partners for Peace just a few weeks ago. He has been sharing on Facebook these spiritual resistance lessons 
Uh, and I think, I don't know how many there are, but this is lesson 26. So there's at least 26 of them. Lesson 26 is always, always, always introduce yourself to other people. We build a stronger, more loving world when we know each other's names and we see each other as fully human. Always introduce yourself to other people. Those relationships, hey, I'm Justin, hey, what's up, Robert, how's it going? Those relationships lead to finding common interests, lead to shared alliances, lead to common cause, lead to this expanding circle of connectedness. I absolutely believe that relationships across difference, the things we think separate us from one another, those are in fact what will save us and open up the world to us. Relationships are where we discover an ever-increasing sense of home. We heard that in the song, wherever you can be, you can make that place home when you're in a deep relationship with another. And relationships give us hope when hope is hard to find. One year ago, over a year ago actually, when we began our community conversations about Medea Makaska, this is the lake in our backyard. The real name is Medea Makaska, White Earth Lake. We often call it Lake Calhoun. When we began these conversations with indigenous people about Bidet Makaska, about water, about indigenous history and culture that is all around us, we did not know that these conversations would lead us on the path that they did. We did not know we would be talking about Standing Rock and water rights of indigenous people around the globe. We didn't know those relationships would take us there. We didn't know members of this church would travel with members of the indigenous community from the Twin Cities to Standing Rock and canoe on the Cannonball River with them. But those relationships have taken us there. These relationships matter and they transform us. Part of the long haul work is to be in relationship with as many different people as possible. And so I invite you to come be in relationship with people probably outside your circle this next Saturday, December 3rd, 10.30 to 2.30 as we gather for this Medea Makaska conversation. I hope you'll join us there. There are a bunch of things we need for this long haul journey we're on. I've only named a few and I haven't done it in alphabetical order at all. We need peace, nonviolent resistance. We need prayers. We need relationships, spiritual practice, and unity. And there's at least one more thing. I mean, there's many more things, but one more thing I want to name this morning that we need for the long haul journey. And we have to go all the way back to the beginning of the alphabet to A to get to this one. Any ideas? what it might be. Someone at the first service actually was like, apples! I was like, totally, you need apples for the spiritual resistance. Yes, like, yes! No, I'm thinking, maybe we do need apples. Like, apples are always good. You can, like, have them with caramel. You can share them. It's an easy food to share. Like, apples we could bring for the long-haul journey. I'm thinking of uh, our ancestors, that we need our ancestors on this long haul journey. We need that cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. We need their flaws and their fierce love. We need their compassion and we need to remember the struggles they overcame, the odds they faced that seemed impossible, the heartbreak and the joy they experienced in their living. We need to remember that because of our ancestors and all they faced, we 
are here. We need to feel them cheering us on, journeying with us, reminding us that we can do it, that we can build a more just and loving world. We need our ancestors. We need one another. We need deep relationships. And I can't think of a better group of people to take a long haul journey with than each and every one of you. Amen.